Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you here in person, and thank you for those of you who are joining us online. Last week, we began a new sermon series called I'll Do It Today. How many know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow? And there are some things in life that are just far too important to procrastinate till tomorrow. And so last week, we talked about being in community and not being isolated, and how some of you are afraid to get close to people because you're afraid that you're going to be judged. And I talked about how that's not going to be the case. Instead, you're going to experience love. And so your greatest fear could become your greatest blessing. If you missed last week or any of the previous weeks, I would encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on YouTube or Spotify or Facebook. Facebook and, uh, and catch up with, with what you've missed. There are these moments in life that, that happen that have the potential to change our trajectory. The outcome is determined by our response. Two Wednesday nights ago, I was in the youth room and I was looking out through this window of a door and I saw this picture and I just want you to see this. I saw this image and I took a picture of it. This is Matt Mummify and their sweet baby girl. And so I texted it to him and to Victoria and I said, I think somebody loves her daddy. And Matt came up to me after service and he said, nobody told me that having a girl would make me soft. <laughs> It's so true. I said, but nothing will toughen you up faster than when she starts dating. So uh, there's that. There are so many moments that happen in life that the way we steward them will either make us or break us. There are times when we experience success and it crushes people. Yet other times when people experience success after success after success and they continue to experience that. There are others who face failure, and when they get back up, they're stronger than ever and experience tremendous success. Their days ahead of them are far better than their days behind. Of course, there are others who experience failure and continue down that path. There are some who experience hurt and choose to be overcomers, and it drives them to change the world. There are others who experience hurt and, uh, and choose to be a victim for the rest of their lives. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is so nuanced that there are extremes as well as unique details to every story that there's not one pithy line that I'm going to be able to say today that answers every question or addresses every situation. But here's what I know is that when it comes to offense and hurt, the one thing that is certain in every situation is this. No matter what hurt we've experienced as followers of Jesus, we have no choice but to walk in forgiveness. No matter what hurt we've experienced as followers of Jesus, we have no choice but to walk in forgiveness. There's this incredible moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross, and think about all that has led up to this moment. There's one of his disciples that has betrayed him. Another disciple has denied him three times. There was a hardened criminal that received a pardon while the crowd yelled, crucify an innocent man to Jesus. He was beaten and flogged. He was hung upon a cross, nails driven through his hands into his feet. And Luke gives the details of that moment and the words that Jesus uttered. Take a listen to this in Luke chapter 23, verse number 33. He says, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, 
one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. God, we ask that over the next few moments that this word that you've birthed into my heart through your spirit for this congregation, for this moment would come out. And Lord, I pray that it would fall upon receptive ears, that even now that you would open up our ears to receive and our hearts to receive what you have for us and our minds to understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus says, after this moment, forgive them for they know not what they do. What a powerful example that Jesus set for us. To the very people who inflicted the greatest amount of earthly pain that he had ever physically experienced, he didn't curse them to hell. He didn't wish harm upon them or their families. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the example that Jesus set for us. And some of you would be like, well, of course he would do that. He's Jesus. What does that have to do with me? Well, Jesus' example and his teachings of forgiveness is what's expected throughout the Bible. Many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have prayed the Lord's Prayer at least one time in your life? Would you just slip up your hand? Okay, hands up all across this room. Well, let me remind you what's in the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus teaching us on how we should pray. And here are the words that he chooses. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts and help me out here as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Many of you have prayed that prayer at some point in your life many times. But when you've prayed that prayer, have you been speaking truth? When you've prayed that line, Father, forgive my debts as I have forgiven those who trespass against me, or as I've forgiven my debtors. Jesus takes it next level in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will what? But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's startling. In this passage, Jesus didn't list exclusions or exceptions He didn't say, well, if you've experienced this or you experienced that. No, it's just very clear. If you will offer forgiveness, God will also offer forgiveness. If you won't, then he won't. And there might be some of you in this room this morning who are like, you have no idea what I've been through. How dare you say that to me this morning? And I'm just telling you, I am verbalizing it, but it's actually Jesus who has said that to us. And while this message isn't fun for me to preach, in fact, after first service, somebody was saying, you know, how much they appreciated it, and I was like, yeah, that was the funnest message I've ever preached in my entire life, which was clear sarcasm. This is not the funnest message I've ever preached in my life. It's a tough message to preach, but I promise you that if we'll get this message right, if we'll live it out, it'll change everything. And so it's an important message. It's not going to be fun today. But for those of you who say you have no idea what I've been through, you're right, I don't. But here's what I want to say to you. I'm sorry for what you've gone through. I really am. My heart is broken as I've heard stories after stories throughout the years of doing ministry of what certain people have had to go through. It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. Secondly, I want to tell you this. God is able. He's able to bring healing, and he can take the brokenness of the human heart and restore it. 
In fact, Psalm chapter 34, verse number 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The third thing I want to say to you is there are some of you who have faced significant trauma. And with that, I want to add that your level of tolerance may not be the same as others. And so some of you might be like, well, I've been through some tough things, but it's not near as bad as what somebody else has experienced or what they've gone through. And I just want to say this. If you feel like what you've gone through is more than you can bear, reach out for help. Recently, my son was complaining about his elbow hurting. Uh, He's senior in high school, plays rugby and football, and uh, after praying, he didn't immediately get better, and so we took him to Dr. Getzinger, and Dr. Getzinger said, well, you need to quit hitting people so much, you know, in rugby and football, and then he referred him to a physical therapist, and so Jacob went to a physical therapist, and when he came home, we said, how's your arm feel? Does it feel any better? And he said, no. Can I tell you what we did not do in that moment? In that moment, we didn't say, well, we tried prayer and that didn't work. We tried the doctor and that didn't help. We went to the physical therapist and that didn't help. No, we stuck with the process. Jacob continued to go to physical therapy and the pain lessened and his elbow was strengthened again because he stuck with it. And so I just wonder for some of you, uh, as you think about emotional trauma and you've taken it to the Lord, there are some of you who have experienced supernatural deliverance from the trauma that you've experienced. And I praise for God for that. And I'll say God is able. But there are others of you who've taken it to God and you've not experienced that immediate supernatural deliverance from it. And so I just want to say, why have you stopped there? If you had a physical issue, you wouldn't hesitate to get professional or medical help. And so why do you treat emotional trauma any differently? It's time for some of you to continue to reach out to God for healing. And then for those of you who are trying to walk in forgiveness, but you keep coming up against these blocks to reach out and get some professional help. There's no shame in getting counseling. And then I just want to beg you with this. Once you go one time and maybe not experience the results that you were hoping for the first time, that you wouldn't say, well, that didn't work. And said that you would stick with the process until you experience healing and freedom. And some of you are like, it's too painful. Well, I'll tell you that the cost of you delaying the healing will be more painful. The pain will reach far beyond you and impact and hurt those who care most about you. PG shared this illustration with me this week that when he was a kid, he was running around. Can you just envision PG as a kid? Like, that's amazing. I wonder if he had a silver beard as a kid, you know? Like, many... (laughs) So he was chasing his brother around their house and their hardwood floors, and he got a sliver in his foot. He said, my mom grabbed the tweezers, and she pulled it out, and we thought everything was good. But he said, as the week went on, the pain increased, and, uh, and it, it just getting, it kept, it, it, the pain became greater. And so I said to him, why wouldn't you just let your mom dig it out? And he said, because I didn't want her digging around in there anymore. He said, it hurt. Doesn't that sum up some people's spiritual condition? I'll spare you the graphic details that he shared with us over lunch of how the splinter eventually came out. But here's the deal. The longer the splinter stayed in, the more the infection grew and the greater the pain. And that's the way with unforgiveness in your heart. The longer it stays in there, the infection spreads and the greater the pain. PG wasn't going to experience freedom until he allowed his mom to do a little digging. Some of you haven't experienced freedom spiritually because you've been unwilling to allow the Holy Spirit to do a little digging in your heart. For others, you've not experienced the freedom because you've stopped there, but you need to go to the next level and have a counselor do a little digging. The day is the day to choose forgiveness, 
Today is the day to allow the Holy Spirit to do some digging and to root it all out. Hurts, big or small, need to be dealt with. They need to be taken to the Father in prayer, and forgiveness is a requirement. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you forgive and to continue to give full access physically and mentally to continue to be abused. Boundaries need to be established. Now, I would imagine that for many of you who've experienced hurt at this level, forgiveness will be an ongoing process in your life. We can talk about the extremes this morning of trauma on one side and then uh, on the opposite side would be a simple offense. Maybe there are some of you who have simply been offended because of the way that somebody looked at you. God forbid. For some of you, your world falls apart in that moment, even with a simple offense. The result of unresolved hurt, big or small, is the same. It's poison for the soul. It impacts the body, the soul, and the mind. And the one thing that's certain in life is taxes, right? But also hurt. We can live our lives in such a way to minimize that hurt. And one of the ways that we can help minimize that hurt is to quit teaching our kids nursery rhymes that are simple lies, right? Like how about this one? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but yeah. I don't know who came up with that line and what superpowers that they had, but I did not inherit those superpowers. I'll tell you that words hurt. Words hurt, and that's why it's so important for us to lean into the fruit of the spirit of self-control. To watch our tongues, we have to be careful what we say to others because words have power. Proverbs 18, verse number 21 says it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. There are some of you today who are still trying to outlive words that were spoken to you when you were a kid. Now, I don't think there's a single person in this room that would argue that words don't hurt. And just saying something doesn't hurt doesn't make it not hurt, right? I'm reverend, you're clear, whatever you say bounces off of me, it sticks to you, huh? How many of you have ever heard that? Okay, how many of you have ever said it? Hopefully not like that. <laughs> Some of you are like, is he the real pastor? <laughs> and we're going to have a different guy next <laughs> Ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we should work hard to live unoffendable. Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 16, the Passion's translation says it this way, If you shrug off an insult and refuse to take offense, you demonstrate discretion indeed. But the fool has a short fuse and will immediately let you know when he's offended. Let's not be foolish. We live in an outraged culture. Let's be countercultural. Let's live out the words found in Scripture. Let's be people with thick skin and soft hearts rather than thin skinned and hard hearts. Now, I don't know what's happened to each of you in this room or online in regards to hurts, but I know that something has happened. Whether you've been offended or your sin has caused you pain or someone else's sin has caused you pain or just difficult life events like the loss of a loved one in this room and online, all of us have experienced pain. And it's not what happens to us that matters most, it's what happens next. What happens next is our response to what happened to us. And so my question for you this morning is what are you going to do with that pain? There are a number of ways that people react to pain. One is they lash out at others. 
And so they want to make sure that if they've experienced pain, that they can inflict as much pain on others as they've experienced. And so they continue the cycle of hurting people. Hurt people hurt people. Luke chapter 17, verse number one, Jesus says to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. Okay, offense is going to happen. But he says, but woe to him through whom they do come. Offense is going to happen to us, but Jesus warns, it's going to happen. Check your heart, prepare your heart for that, but don't be the one who's doing the offense. And what I'm learning through life is this statement is so true, and I'm trying to be more compassionate in life, and I'm learning that behind every attitude and every mean word spoken is someone who's hurting. The second way that people respond to hurt and pain is they allow it to define them. Some get stuck in their hurt and their pain, and so they get stuck at the leper or the dropout or the neglected one or the rejected one or the divorced one or the widow or the widow or the flunky or insert whatever title that you put in there. And there are people who allow moments or events in their life to become their identity. There's this mathematical term called an inflection point, and when you look at a, a chart, it's the point of a curve at which a change in the direction of curvature occurs. It's a turning point. There are inflection points in life, and how we handle them changes the outcome. And so I want to illustrate it this way. How many of you ever had one of those connect-the-dot exercises in school? Okay, I'm going to show you one on the screen. So this is, yep, that's it. That's what it looks like. So it's an exercise where you connect the dots. You just follow the numbers at each inflection point. You go to the next. And what happens is if you don't follow those numbers and you just think, well, I'm going to do it my way and I know better than what whoever numbered that was dumb. How could they number it that way? I can clearly do it better. Then let me show you what happens. Okay. There was supposed to be an image there. And if you look, every dot is connected. That image didn't happen because someone skipped the dots. Every dot is connected, but what's up there is not something that could be made out. Let's go to the next slide. But when we come to these inflection points in life and we move from one point to the next to the next, then an image emerges. If you don't follow the steps or you think that you know better and you choose to own, go your own way, something very different emerges. In the same way we see with our lives in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, Paul writes, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When we come up to these inflection points, when we bump up against pain, if we decide that we know best or we turn from God, then our lives look like the, the second picture. It's just a mess of moments loosely connected with no purpose. But when we come to these inflection points and we say, all right, God, I'm ready for the next move. Heal me from the pain of this moment and take me to the next moment, then a beautiful masterpiece emerges. It's in these moments that real discipleship takes place. There's nothing like real life experiencing, real life experience to accelerate our learning. When we read something in the Bible, we get to immediately live it out. I lived in India for three years, and when I was there, I went to language school. And for those of you who've ever learned a second language, it's painful, it's embarrassing, it's humiliating, it's absolutely miserable. And so I would sit in language class for 20 hours a week and then go home and try uh, to study on top of that. And I'll never forget the opportunity that I had uh, to go to a remote village to do some relief work, and I got to practice my Hindi. Well, I was still learning Hindi. And so as there was a, a friend's mom was there with me and she needed a razor. 
And so I walked up to the stand and I asked the guy for what I thought was a razor for a woman and said, I said, do you have a razor with a woman? They did not. Uh, <laughs> I was embarrassed. And I'll tell you that I have never made that mistake ever again, and I won't. There's nothing like real life experience to teach you a lesson. Inflection points in life have the opportunity to expedite our spiritual growth exponentially. But we have to make a choice. Who are we going to follow and who are we going to listen to? The third way that some people uh, respond to pain and hurt is they allow it to destroy them. And the thing that happened to them is not what destroyed them. Instead, it was their response. The roots of bitterness and rage and unforgiveness grew to monstrous proportions and impacted every area of their life. It's devastating. We've all witnessed people go down this path that rather than turning to Jesus, people turn to destructive behaviors and addictions that further the depth of destruction and few family members, members or friends are left unscathed. The thing that was devastating to them gets repeated in someone else and the pain doesn't stop with them. It continues and the cycle repeats. It's why it's so important that we deal with this today. It's why it's important that we extend forgiveness today so that it doesn't get passed on. When we don't deal with it, not only do we pay the price, so does the next generation. There are some of you who've been hurt by the church, and there are some of you who will be hurt by the church in the future, and I hate to even say that, but I just know it's gonna happen, and the reason why I know it's gonna happen is because we're imperfect people. And I'm grateful that our church is filled with imperfect people. If it was filled with perfect people, then I would need to leave. And so imperfect people are going to hurt others at times. And some in big ways and others in small ways. But when we experience hurt, our response can destroy us. And if you don't deal with hurt outside the church and inside the church, then it'll destroy your faith. But it won't only destroy your faith, it'll destroy the, the next generation's faith as well. It's one thing for someone to take their resentment to hell with them and a whole other level to inspire and live in such a way to lead their kids to do the same. And so I just want to tell you the cost of walking in unforgiveness this morning. The way that you respond as a parent matters. And this morning, I'm not preaching this message because somebody's hurt me, and so this is my way at lashing out and trying to get everybody to get in line to not hurt me anymore. Like, I promise you, I'm in a good place. And I'm not preaching this message because I'm hearing that there are rumblings in the church of people hurting one another. I'm not. I'm not hearing that. I'm not experiencing that, but I'm just telling you that I know that if it's not happening right now, it can happen. And our response as followers of Jesus is vitally important. We've got to learn how to handle conflict. We've got to model to the next generation that we don't just pack up and leave. That when we experience hurt, big or small, that we don't just leave the church completely over it and take our kids with us. I pray that it would never be said of any parent in this room listening right now or parents listening online that you allowed a hurt to hurt you so bad that you walked away from your faith and you inspired your kids to do the same. 
How we respond in those moments matters. And I would encourage all of us, as we bump up against hurt, as we bump up against pain, that we would take it to God, that we would extend forgiveness, and that we would stay committed to community. Amen? Deal with hurt today. Offer forgiveness today. Another way that people respond, and this is the healthiest way to respond, is they take the pain to Jesus and they let him heal it and comfort others who need it. We can't give what we don't have. And so if you haven't experienced forgiveness and the love of Christ, it's impossible to give it. We can't give away what we don't possess. The only way to walk in forgiveness in this world is to lean into God, and we need his help. And so we bring it to him. Ironically, this week, I had someone come up to me. And they said, I am keeping a wrong of everything that this group of people does against me, not our church, but this group of people. And at the end of this year, I'm going to post it on social media and I'm going to tag everyone who's hurt me in that post. Sarcastically, I responded and I said, you know, I'm doing the same thing with my wife. I'm keeping a log of everything wrong that she does so that when I get to seven times 70, that I don't have to forgive her anymore. To which when I told my wife that story, she said, well, I'm sure that list is very small. <laughs> Luke writes in Luke chapter 17, verse number three, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. I hope that this message inspires the person who told me that to not do it, to not keep a record of wrong, but instead to offer and extend forgiveness. Brian Lord said, unforgiveness is idolatry because it reveals I treasured what I was wounded over more than I treasure Christ. Unforgiveness is idolatry because it reveals I treasured what I was wounded over more than I treasure Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Listen, I know this might come as a surprise to you, but this is my wife over here, and there are times when we fight. Shocking. And the way that, uh, that we make up is not the biblical way, and so I would not encourage any of you to follow me as I follow the devil. Uh, <laughs> Track with me for a second. So what I'm saying is this. Oftentimes, my wife and I will give each other the silent treatment. I don't know if any of you know what that is, but that's when you don't talk to each other. And then after enough time passes, then eventually I'll come to my senses, swallow my pride, and I'll apologize to her, and life goes on as normal. I was in a meeting with a couple of pastors one time and we were talking about this and this man was like yes he's he's the same way and again I'm telling you like that's not what the Bible tells us to do so don't follow that example I'm telling you that I'm human that I need Jesus to help me you tracking with me but this other man who's our current superintendent his name is Guy Fisher superintendent of the network of churches that we're part of for the state and he looks at both of us and just politely rebukes us and he says, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. He said, my wife and I fight to see who can apologize first. I'm like, are you an alien? 
That's a godly man right there. That's a godly man who would say, you know what, I'm not gonna let the sun go down on my anger. Do it today. Extend forgiveness today. There were 620,000 recorded military deaths in the Civil War. I was stunned to find that two-thirds of those deaths were by disease, not from the battle. There were a number of reasons for the deaths, crowded conditions, poor hygiene, absence of sanitary disposal, absence of sanitary disposal of garbage and waste. And here's the deal, hundreds of thousands of soldiers didn't die heroically in battle, they died horribly painful deaths due to disease. In addition to the less than ideal conditions, soldiers from rural areas were exposed for the first time to childhood diseases for which they had no immunity. And what you would imagine would have been the most deadly thing in battle simply was not. Instead, it was secondary issues that took out two-thirds of the soldiers. In the same way as followers of Jesus, we're guaranteed that bullets are going to fly. Offenses are going to come, and it's often not the offense that takes us out. It's how we respond. And when we walk in unforgiveness, we're living in conditions that God never intended for us to live in. We're exposed to spiritual disease that there's no immunity to, and it'll take us out. The only cure for it is to offer forgiveness. And this morning, when we consider all that Christ has done for us, it's the only option that we have to extend forgiveness to others. And so here's the deal this morning. If there's still breath in your lungs, it's not too late. And I realize that there are two different groups of people in here. There are the offenders and the offendees. And so I pray that today would be the day that you would have the courage to own what you've done and that you would apologize to the person that you've offended and that restoration and reconciliation and healing will take place. And I pray for others of you who've been offended. Maybe you've been offended by somebody who's not even alive today that you can physically have restoration and reconciliation with, but today that would be the day that you would go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, dig it out, root it out of me today. I want to experience healing. If there's breath in your lungs today, it's not too late. Healing and restoration and freedom can take place. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, today I want to enter into a relationship with him. I want to experience forgiveness of sins for the very first time in my life. I want to experience the love of Christ and his forgiveness. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's stand all across this room. There was at least one hand of somebody who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. 
I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer today, we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. The prayer team's coming to the front, and as they do, I just want to pray one more thing over us this morning. I want to pray that today that you would have the courage to extend forgiveness and that for those of you who have experienced significant trauma and you're hitting that roadblock, that today that you would have the courage to reach out, to find a professional Christian counselor and allow the Holy Spirit and that counselor to dig around and bring healing to your life. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song in just a moment. And when they do, I'm just gonna encourage you that you would step out from your seat, that you would come forward. If there's any prayer request that you have, that you would step forward this morning and allow them to pray for you. But before you do, let me pray. God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for the grace that's been extended to each of us. That while we were still sinners, that you, Christ, died for us. So God, I'm grateful that time after time as we mess up, as we sin, that we can come back to you and that you extend forgiveness. Lord, this morning, there are some people in this room who have experienced very traumatic moments, traumatic events in their life, and they've struggled to forgive the person that did it to them. And I pray that today that they would recognize the cost and that you would give the courage that they could walk in forgiveness today and experience the freedom that you have for them. That the cycle of pain would end today because healing would be experienced and all that would be passed to the next generation is blessing and healing rather than the pain of the previous generation. God, I pray for those who've been the offenders in this room, for those that are walking in unrepentant sin, that today would be the day when they would lay that stuff down, that you would give them the courage to swallow their pride and that they would ask for forgiveness and that healing and restoration would take place. God, we know that in the future, that will experience offense. It's just going to happen. And we ask that as people filled with and baptized by your Holy Spirit, that we would respond in appropriate ways, that we would respond with forgiveness and model to the next generation what that looks like. So God, today I pray for courage for the offenders, courage for those who've been offended, that healing, restoration, and freedom and forgiveness would take place. Give us the strength to walk this out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. I would encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.